Hello and welcome to the Muni Oral History Project, where we explore the stories and rich history of the Springfield Municipal Opera over the past 60 years. Stories from the people who have built, experienced, and performed what we'd like to refer to as Muni Magic. Sit back and relax and listen to these tales of Broadway under the stars. This is Jacob Potty here with the Muni Story Oral History Project, and I have Shirley Thomas here with me. How are you doing tonight, Shirley? Very well, Jacob. How about you? I am doing great. Shirley <laughs> was um, a performer and vocal director for a number of Muni shows um, a um, number of years ago. So let's just get down to it, Shirley. What was your first Muni experience, even it, it was just as an audience member? No, well, actually, my first Muni experience was also my first audition in 1971. My husband, Jim, and I had moved to Springfield from Chicago with our kids not long before. And Jim read in the paper that there were auditions at the St. Nicholas Hotel. And he said, you should go down and try out. But I wasn't entirely enthusiastic. I'd been busy being a mom and a homemaker and yada, yada. And I hadn't really sung much for a year or two. And then also because my background was in opera, I guess I kind of thought maybe maybe um, I wouldn't fit in, in a musical somehow. I don't know what ideas I had. But anyway, he kept urging me to go down that Sunday and try out. So I went and I think my number was something like 205, some incredible number. And they were maybe on number 25. So when I got there, so I went to the lobby and I called my husband and I told him, this is impossible. Jim said, no, stay. So I stayed. An hour later, they were on maybe number 75. And I kept calling Jim to see how he's, he was holding up, corralling our two little kids. And he continued to urge me to stay and try out. So as the sun was sinking slowly in the West, my number finally came up. And so I got up to sing and I faced the table of directors and their staffs and nearly fell off the platform because sitting at that table was Margaret Boswell. Well, I'd gone to high school with Margaret in Centralia, Illinois, and I didn't expect to see her in Springfield, but there she was. So I sang Hello, Young Lovers, of course, but Thane Ernie, who was the director of The King and I, said he wanted me to read for Lady Chung. Well, I didn't typically or ever speak lines from the stage because, as you may know, in opera, everything is sung. But anyhow, I adopted what I thought sounded kind of like an Asian accent, and I just went for it. So then... A few days later, Adeline Shrewsbury called me and she said, I'd gotten the part of Lady Chung. And in my total ignorance of Muni Opera, I said to her, well, the part is a little low and I'd like the song Something Wonderful to be transposed. 
Well, she paused and then very patiently and kindly, she explained that transposing all the orchestra parts was not an option. Well, I was gobsmacked. Orchestra, holy cow, this was kind of a real thing and not what I expected, sort of a scaled down thing with a piano and drums or something like that. So I finally got very excited about it. And oh, the whole experience was just wonderful. I had such a good time and everyone was so nice. And it created a terrific appetite in me for more. So, yeah. So, well, you've talked about it a little bit, but um, was that audition intimidating being in front of all of those people? Well, I, yeah, I think I was very nervous. And I, I think, you see, that isn't the overriding memory. The overriding memory is how immense it was. And then being asked to read and, and being sort of like, totally out of my realm. And those are the things I really remember. But I will tell you that in succeeding years, I never try out for a part when I wasn't absolutely terrified. I had the worst stage fright at tryouts. By the time you get to opening night, it's more a case of being all excited about showing the audience what you all have accomplished. So that's a different kind of a stage fright, but it's really intimidating is the right word. It's, um, it's pretty scary up there. You're right. Yeah. So we'll get to the vocal directing part a little later, but let's just start with what other roles did you play out at Muni? Oh, well, there was Hello, Dolly. Oh my gosh, that was a glorious experience. They built, you know, as as they did, if, you, if you're old enough to have seen any of the dollies, they built the ramp out and around the orchestra. And so when you're doing the Hello Dolly number, you're out prancing on this, <clears throat> pardon me, out on this ramp and people would stand up and reach up for my hand like I was some kind of rock star. It was thrilling. So when Muni was over, Jim, who had such a funny sense of humor, he said to me on that Monday following the closing of the show, did you hear that big crash? And I said, no, what? And he said, well, that was you coming back to earth, honey. He said, if you really miss it, the kids and I will build a ramp for you in the kitchen. He was really missing having his wife home. But yes, Dolly was, oh, by far the most thrilling. Yeah. And what other roles did you play? Oh, well, I, I, I sang in Carnival. That was fun. I was 35 playing a 16-year-old, and a girl who was about 18 was playing the part of the um, Carney. I'm sorry, I've forgotten that character's name. Um, Chrissy Broquet was the young lady's name, and the costumer said, I'm trying to make a 35-year-old look 16 and a 16-year-old look 35, but she did it. We, we had a good success with that. Mick Hess Stevens was um, um, was my lead man, and he was he had such a beautiful, rich, baritone voice, and um, 
uh, Paul was that character's name. And um, he was real thin. So my usual fighting weight was about 128. I'm not very tall, but about 128. I felt my best and I was the most energetic, but I was terrified of getting up on the stage next to Mick Cass Stevens, who was so slender. So I dieted myself down to 112 pounds, which actually helped make me look more school girly. So yeah, that was great fun. They, um, Bailey, uh, Don Bailey directed that show. Yeah. Did you do any other roles at Muni or was that when you went turned to vocal directing? Oh, no. Um, I did 1776 when um, Robert Alda came to sing, um, to sing Ben Franklin. And, and also I, I appeared in Phantom kind of as my swan song there. And I was vocal director three times and, and I loved it. And people were very appreciative of my efforts and so on. But, you know, it just wasn't my mate. I just was not, um, I worked hard at it and I think I did well, but it was, it was nothing compared to performing. Yeah. Um, and you were at Abigail Adams then in that 1776? Yes, I was yeah. Abigail Adams, yeah. right. Yeah. So then what was your um, last Muni show you were involved in? Well, as I said, that was Phantom. And that was, um, what did we say? We just said that date. It, 19... was, it was 96. Okay, there we go. 1996. Yeah. So what was that show like? Oh, oh, Phantom was fun. And it was particularly fun. Well, you know, that character is just kind of like Cruella DeVille. Her name is Carlotta. Um, and, and then I didn't have to worry with carrying the show because other people were doing the starring parts, you know. And um, so for me, it was just kind of a piece of cake to get to do that over the top um, part. Um, that was Jennifer Dow was the singer and then um, was the lead. And then Steve Williams was the phantom. Yeah, that was a fun show. Yeah, and just to, for our listeners, this is not the Angeloid Weber phantom. This is, there's another well, musical version of phantom. Right, this is another version, correct. Yeah. So um, anyway, then um, what were the three shows that you vocal directed? Oh, I, I was vocal director for a production of um, The Sound of Music, and that was early on. I can't tell you what year that was. And then I did a little night music when uh, Margaret Boswell was the director, and then with Lee Steiner, I did Into the Woods. Yeah. So you did two Sondime shows. Were those ex um, difficult being vocal director for? Oh, uh, uh, I'll tell you, Into the Woods is very intricate. That's um, that's a complex, musically, that's a very complex show. And we had wonderful people in it. It was, it. you know, I, I'm afraid to start 
mentioning names because I'll forget people, but there was Gus and Claire Gordon and Cinder Reitzman and um, Doug Hahn and, oh, I don't know, uh, on and on. I mean, you can prob- you probably have the list, the cast list there in front of you, Jacob, but I don't. But it was a really solid cast and we had a wonderful time. Lee Steiner, of course, is terrific. So, and Dave Shaw, terrific. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite memories from any of the shows? You've talked a little bit about Dolly, but from any, or even moments out in the audience that where you were production you weren't involved with, but just remember that moment, anything you want to share. Oh, I, I remember the family times, you know, when my husband and my two little boys and I would go to Muni and, um, they enjoyed it. And my mother taking my mother and, uh, you know, just being a part of the audience. It's such a lovely family um, entertainment opportunity. And, and of course, it's so beautiful out at Muni. So I remember those times. Yeah. Are there any mo- memories from any of the shows you were involved with, just special? things that come to mind? I remember when Carnival uh, closed, it had been um, vocally the best show for me because uh, you may know Anna Marie Albregetti uh, sang the part on Broadway. So it was right in my range. And, um, and, and the music is lovely. It truly is. I think they only did Carnival that one time. But um, I remember when that show closed, I, I was very moved, you know, because it had just been such a, a from the beginning to the end, just such a wonderful opportunity, opportunity for me to get out there and just let my voice go. and. Um, so that was vocally by far the most satisfying. And I remember that particularly. Yeah. So you talked about it a little bit, but I'm going to bring it back up is of course, Dolly is Levi is probably, if not the most iconic, one of the most iconic roles for a female to play in the history of musical theater. And you were the first of the, it would be five women that have played the role on the Muni stage. Um, I think Theater Center had done it first a few years before us with Betty Ward, but correct. Of course, Muni's a whole different ball game than indoors because it's such a huge stage. What was it? Um, did you audition for that specific role, or did you just kind of yeah. fall into it? it no. Um, I auditioned for Dolly, but uh, Betty Farrington was the um, director and her husband, Glenn, was um, cast already. And um, or I mean, we supposed already. And um, they they first called me, they, because I can't remember who the person was, first called me and said, how would I like to do Mrs. Malloy? Well, Mrs. Malloy is a is a soprano and and that's what I was. And so 
that was a natural question, but I, I talked it over with my husband and we both decided that I really wasn't a Mrs. Malloy uh, character. Um, and so I just said, well, thank you. No, but you know, um, I would, I would do Dolly, but I would not do Mrs. Malloy. And so they cast me as Dolly and they got the most beautiful blonde lady. Oh, gee, I wish I had, I wish I had a program or something so I could tell you quickly who that was, but they cast the most beautiful young blonde singer as Mrs. Malloy. And that was perfect. That was, that was really as it should have been because my little short, dark personage was not right for Mrs. Malloy. So Yes, I got to do Dolly. Yeah, and who was your chorus in that? I'm sorry? Who who played your chorus? Oh, uh, that was Glenn Farrington. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and our, our musical director was Doug Hahn. And in my judgment, he's the tops. And Doug has just gotten better and better as the decades have rolled on. But he's a fine musician. And he was the director. That was... That was a terrific experience. Yeah. And I, I do have to correct myself. We, we've um, done Dolly four times, not five. So just, I, I just wondered quick. about that, but I thought I must. Be I, I, okay. double, <laughs> I double counted somebody. But yeah, I was okay. getting in my head quickly, but wanted to correct myself. But anyway, so we'll go on to the show must go on. Um, which is one of the phrases that we use a lot in the theater world. And um, for this, I'm phrasing it as things that just totally go wrong. So choreography mishaps, um, wardrobe malfunctions, sets falling down or apart, flubbed lines, skipping a verse. Anything come to mind? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, we were, we were doing the dress rehearsal of Carnival. And um, Bill Rothman just walked right off the edge of the stage. He just right into the, into the bushes over on the side of the stage. And of course, it's dress rehearsal. So you keep going and you keep going. But um, people rushed to help him. And we could hear him like, blah, 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 you know, in the bushes on the side. And it was dark. And so anyway, they rescued him. And thank goodness he wasn't injured because, as I've said, this was the day before the dress rehearsal before the opening. And it would have been just horrible to have him um, injured and not able to appear. He was terrific in his role. Yeah. Um, anything I, else come to mind? I, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm busting to tell you this Doug Hahn story. So we're doing um, Hello, Dolly and Horace, uh, Doug, uh, Glenn Farrington and I are sitting at the table and um, Glenn just went up. I mean, big time. He didn't drop a line or something. He like cut the entire scene all the way to the end and the and right there there was a cue a big musical cue for the chorus to come on and sing and dance there was a bunch of hoopla going on um and he just cut right there and and doug who 
I've already said, you know, always has a good handle, a good hold of what he's doing. He got the orchestra, he was mumbling around and he got the orchestra in the right place and boom, came the cue. Well, the kids in the chorus and the dancers had been kind of lounging backstage thinking they had five or 10 minutes, you know, and all of a sudden they realize it's their cue. And so they come racing up the ramp and onto the stage like a herd of wildebeest stampeding. And in the orchestra, Doug is waving his hands and spewing and, you know, and so I'm still sitting at the table and I'm observing all this. And I, I looked down in the pit and I thought, you know, the show in the pit is better than the one on the stage right now because poor Doug, oh my goodness. And everybody flipping pages and, and mumbling to each other, but he held it together. And I don't think, I mean, some people in the audience perhaps, but I don't think most of the people in the audience realize that we had a gigantic chasm right there with the loss of all that dialogue. So I still appreciate that story. I thought that was the show must go on. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, anything from the shows you vocal directed or anything come to mind? Um, no, I guess not. I mean, I guess you just expect glitches to occur and you expect people to stay in character and for the music to continue. And in my experience, it always did. It always came out okay, which is really um, to the great, you know, credit of everybody who does this work, this local theater work. So I think the use of this phrase is fairly recent, or at least within the last 15 to 20 years. But one of the phrases we use a lot at Muni today is Muni magic. And even though the phrase might be newer, the concept is not new at all. And um, so a lot of people say it's just special effects because Muni, because it's such a big outdoor stage, um, we can go big and, you know, Peter Pan flying into the nursery that first time, or some people just say it's being outside on a hot summer night. Sometimes it may even be a heat advisory, but you're enraptured in the story. What does meaning magic mean to you? Well, I, I guess I have a, maybe a different slant, but for me, it's the process you meet for the first rehearsal and everyone is kind of tenuous and feeling the way along. And as the weeks go by, the show starts to shape up and somehow all the challenges are met and things are, are surmounted. And regardless of whether the show is strong or it's maybe not in very good shape, opening night comes, it comes when it comes. And when opening night comes, your work is done. The audience arrives, the downbeat is given, and the show is an actual show. And for me, that's magic, that process. Yeah. Yeah. So then another phrase that we use a lot um, is Muni family. And some people that's literally Muni is a family affair. If they're not on stage, family members are backstage or even just front of house ushering or working in concessions. And then to a lot of people who aren't from theater families, it's just that 
those lifelong friends that you make? What does Muni family mean to you? Well, the Muni family to me is the dozen or so people backstage for every individual on the stage. And what I mean is, I always knew when I was out on the stage, I got there through the efforts of the Muni Board of Directors, the, the director and the staff, the orchestra members, the person who made or fixed my costume for me, the person who did my hair and makeup, the person who dressed me, the person doing the lights and the person doing the sound. Collectively, they raised me up to take the credit for all their work. And that's what family does for you. They raise you up. And, and um, it also means, of course, um, what Muni does for your personal family. Your family members find friends among the group as well through socializing and seeing each other out at the lake. And my son, Jason, as it happens, just mentioned not long ago that when he was kind of a nuisance kid, he dogged Jay Edgecombe with questions about how the technical stuff, the sound and the lights worked. Well, he's 55 now, and he remembers how patient Jay was with him. He said he learned a lot, and he still, he still uses what Jay taught him. So all of that makes up family. Yeah. So then that segues into the next question, which is, who are some of the special people that you work with at Muni? Some people just want to focus on those that are no longer with us, or others um, kind of just want to talk in generalizations because they don't afraid they'll forget somebody, or just list people. How, um, however you want to tackle that, go right ahead. Well, of course, there's always the terrible um, chance that, that you forget. And, and at my age, and considering that we're talking, my experience with 40, 45 years ago with Muni, but um, I think there were people who really inspired me and made me want to participate and do my best work. And people like Jane Presney and later her son, Paul, and then Betty Ward, Jack Duffy, of course, Doug Hahn, we've already talked about. You can't talk about Muni without mentioning Tom and Adeline Shrewsbury, Marion Levin, Gary Schall, Pete Samuels, who went on to have a really good career uh, in New York himself, and um, Osinda Reitzman, Gus and Claire Gordon, Dave Shaw, Lee Steiner, Grace Nanavati, Georgia Dirksen, Sandy Wheeler, Bob McAllister. And as you have said, yes, of course, many of them are, are gone. There are just so many memories and really, really too many to count, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. So then one of the special people that Muni lost um, around a year ago was Gene Rubley. And of course, he was Muni's biggest cheerleader as well as Muni's biggest curmudgeon. And I know he was in your first Muni show. <laughs> so um, do you have any um, Gene Ribley stories? Oh, I, I don't know if it's a Gene story or a Shirley story. But anyway, Gene um, 
my my first memory of ever knowing who Jean was, actually. Uh, a bunch of people were kind of hanging out backstage and Jean and a couple of others were sitting on a platform or something of some kind with her legs dangling down and little short me, I wanted to join in. So I, I hoisted myself up and I plopped down just as Jean moved and I sat smack on his hand. Oh my God, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Jean was just kind of, oh yeah, you know, hello. And, and there it passed. But anyway, um, I think he was in every show I was in and dear Jean, you know, he was always there. Yeah. Um, so then the last question I have is the deep one, but so important nonetheless is what makes Meany special? Oh my goodness. So many things. I mean, we do have a very active and thriving theater and performance um, in Springfield now. When I first came to town, it didn't exist, but um, we do have a thriving theater and performance life here in Springfield. But Muni is set aside, totally separate um, from all the other excellent venues that we now have. Um, first of all, because it is so family oriented, just the, the whole idea of coming together. I see people sitting out there eating their supper um, before the show starts. And, you know, um, just everything from the, the people who come and direct the cars to park and they're so courteous and helpful. And um, the people in the ticket offices, my gosh, you have people selling tickets who have been around Muni for decades and they're still working. Um, uh, Muni is just unique. I, that would be the only thing I would be able to say in, in summary. Well, Shirley, thank you so much for sharing your Muni story with us. Well, you're entirely welcome. And really, the pleasure was totally mine. I'm so grateful to be included. I'm such an old war horse that I guess I'm kind of surprised that anyone thinks I have anything relevant to contribute. But it certainly has been a joy and I thank you for your work and I think your project is just superb and please continue with it. Well, thank you so much and you have a good rest of your evening. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Muni Oral History Project. This is an ongoing effort to capture the memories and stories of the Springfield Municipal Opera. If you have pictures, videos, or stories you'd like to contribute to this effort, please email history at themuni.org. Your hosts have been Jacob Potty and Craig McFarland. Production assistance by Vanessa Ferguson and Jeremy Geckner. Special thank you to the Muni Board of Managers and the Muni Board of Trustees for their support in this effort. And thank you to all the Muni family who continue to help us create magic every summer.